Good morning to you all. Um, I'm going to start by reading a familiar passage from the Bible, and I've no doubt probably you've heard it over the Christmas period, but it's, it's there, and it's the story from Luke 2, 1 to 20. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to his, own, to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over the flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, I bring you good news of great joy that will, will be for all the people. Today in the town of David a Saviour has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favour rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who, were li who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told, about, told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. This is a very familiar passage, which we all know, and it, but it has a number of important points in it, which really help to define who Jesus really is. We know in the Old Testament there are many prophecies about the coming of the Messiah, and some were very clear and very striking. We see in Isaiah 7, 14, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. If we note in this passage, it indicates that the Lord himself will initiate the signs to the world concerning Jesus' coming. And that's exactly what happened. We find in Luke 1 and 26, it says, and on, in the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel 
Now, I mean, he's the real big guns. He's the top one. To Nazareth, a town in Galilee. To a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. Then it goes on to say how troubled Mary was about this. And the angel then said to them, Don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favour with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son. Now that's something, even that to note, because there certainly was no scans at the time, so nobody would have known whether they were going to have a boy or a girl. And there is Mary told this. And you will give him the name Jesus, and he will be great and will be the son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. Then goes on to explain how this was to come about. We notice, therefore, that in this first reading, there was also a clear message directly from God, given to the shepherds announcing Jesus' birth. Now, these shepherds were among some of the poorest people in the area. And they certainly had the least influence in the time, and, and yet God chose them to be the instrument to initiate the spread of the good news, Jesus' birth. Now, they would have come from homes of some very lowly level, and we would have been very unlikely to have considered to use a manger as a bed for their children. This, this could therefore could not have been a more lowly place for Jesus' birth. What in these passages clearly indicates is God the Father was very much in control of the whole situation. The birth of Jesus was to be very humble. He was going to be born in a very humble situation. And he was not even allowed his father to be born in a hygienic environment. They, they just wouldn't, he wouldn't allow it. No, it was to be in a stable there was not any accommodation other than the stable allowed in this situation. Now, I've got three cribs at home, and old Sweeney's got one there, and there's one out the front. And all of them, Jesus, I mean, certainly these two are my two of my ones at home. He, Jesus is lying in some fancy basket affair with straw on, and lots of soft hay, so he's lying there very comfortably. And so, of course, actually, we find that all modern cribs, these are no different from most of them, you find the whole thing is very sanitised. Um, and naturally so. But um, the manger, <laughs> French word manger to eat is the most peculiar thing, was exactly that. It was a dining trough, a feeding station for cattle or whatever animals were there at the time. And I imagine it was probably made of fairly raw wood, untreated, which would most certainly have been mouldering, and would have absor absorbed all the smells. It was dirty, very dirty, and probably had mud in it, manure, dust, cobwebs, Doubtless would have smelt of uh, dampness and mould. And when I believe animals eat out of these troughs, they, they often slobber, so there would have been plenty of saliva 
on the sides. Naturally, therefore, there would have been flies, insects, and spiders, etc. And we also told not what the not what the stable was like. We weren't told that in the Bible. Was it above ground wooden structure like we have, and like a lot of modern cribs depict, or was it in fact a cave, which was often used as stables at the time? If that was the case, if it was it was a cave, it would have been much colder. The manger would also have been cold due to dampness. And this sort of dampness really is the real cold, the chill that gets into you. So very far from the sanitised version, we've come to think of it to have been. It's a lot different. It could well have been a lot different. Then it comes to the question of the actual birth. The Bible doesn't tell us anything about that. But since there was no accommodation, where in fact did Mary have the baby? Did she have the baby on the floor of the stable, in which case it would be in, maybe in the cave? Or did she have the baby in the, in the manger? Possible. Wherever, it would not have been comfortable and she would not have had the usual birthing benefits that we're now used to. Now, I, I'm, we're very lucky this, this Christmas uh, that our daughter and her husband and three children have come over from Australia and are staying with us. And in a way, I'm sad that they didn't come this morning, but they haven't. Um, but I can remember some years back being in Australia when Claire had her first baby, and it was our first grandchild. And the hospital birthing suite, which was a lovely little little room with chairs around, comfortable chairs. And then from both sides of it were, I think one side had got a sort of water birthing thing with a door to it. And the other side was this lovely, bright, sunny room with one bed in it, uh, which is where she had the baby. Um, it just struck me that this was such a lovely place, but what a total different environment that Mary must have been in and found herself in. The truth is that Jesus was born in a place that was probably cold, d dirty, and quite likely dark. And when he was born, he was wrapped in strips of material, which was the custom of the day. And as the Bible tells us, laid in the manger. Now, I like, and I'm sure we all do, like to think the ma manger was like that, nicely lined with fresh straw. And this may, may or not have been the case. They may not have had any straw. He may just have been laid at the bottom of the manger on the odd cloth. And what about Mary? How was she looked after after the birth? Christ was born into this time on earth in great humility, far from what the Jews were expecting, as we all know, from their promised Messiah. He died in such an ugly, extremely painful and humiliating way. It was also so clearly predicted. For instance, we have in Psalm 22, Dogs have surrounded me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. And I sometimes think of that as being probably the ribs and when he's got his arms out. 
towel up here. That's them sticking out. And they divide my garments among them and cast lots for my clothing. Jesus came to earth. Sorry. Jesus came to the earth as a man, arrived in great humility, and died in a horrendous way. He was certainly a very special man. Some people view the fact that Jesus was in the manger and its connection with food, that the, that the passage in John where Jesus describes himself as food, the bread of life, has some serious spiritual meaning. Now, I find this connection somewhat bleak. But Jesus came into the world, into an environment where the no vacancy sign had been put up. This has not changed. God clearly showed right at the time he came into this world that there was going to be opposition. He was a, there was opposition right from the word go. And God showed, therefore, that there was going to be rejection. And this started right at Jesus' birth. And Jesus is still being rejected, as we know, by society and increasingly so, unfortunately, in some areas. What we must learn from this is that we must not have a no-vacancy sign up for ourselves in our hearts, for Jesus, for our hearts. He came into the world in great humility as a servant, here to save those who believed in him. And he came to be placed in a manger, in a cold, dirty and dark place. Just the sort of place that our hearts can be. And yet he will always want to come into our lives, into our hearts, into our own mangers. Our hearts are cold when we do not know the love of God. But it does not matter how cold it is. Jesus knows cold. He is willing to be born there and to come into you. He meets us just where we are cold inside, where we feel unloved, unlovable, or even alone. Our hearts are dark when we do not recognise the light that Christ will bring into our lives. This darkness is no deterrent whatsoever to Jesus. He is always willing to come in. He meets us in the darkness of our sorrow and grief or the blackness and bleakness of despair. And our hearts are dirty because they are soiled and stained by sin. No matter how dirty it is, Jesus is willing to come in and he'll give it a good sprinkling. Jesus meets us and loves us just where we are and just where the state of our heart is. Jesus always wants to meet us at the manger of our hearts. We believe and ask in him that he is there. This is God's presence. God will love us and be intimately present within us. He lives inside. So we can have this continual and direct conversation with him. Isn't that great? Shall we pray?
Dear Jesus, we find it amazing that you came to be on this earth, let alone be born in the way you were. We thank you for coming into our mangers, our hearts, and filling them with your grace. We know that we fail you on so many fronts, for we are so sorry, but know that the comfort that you are ready to forgive us and bless us. We now look forward to the new year at our chapel. We thank you for all your past blessings, for the ever-present Holy Spirit to guide us in our worship. And we ask your blessing and guidance for this church leaders. We ask your blessing on the congregation that we all may grow this coming year in love for you and each other. We ask for your power that's always here at Hurstmansview Free Church, that we may hear you and act on it. And that everything we do in the coming year is entirely, completely as you wish, and entirely to your praise and your glory. Amen.